0: Welcome to Worship in the Word with Generations Church of Granbury. You are invited to stay tuned for the next 59 minutes to enjoy some inspiring music from one of Hood County's wonderful congregations as well as an encouraging message from the Bible. The songs you're about to enjoy are from the Generations Church worship team led by Pastor Shake Anderson with the Gen Praise Band and on special occasions, some great guest musicians.
1: Later on in the broadcast, you may hear a proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, along with some teaching from the Bible with Pastor Alan Mata or another Generations Church leader for special guests. So without any further delay, welcome to Worship in the Word with
2: Generations Church. to
3: Me. we're singing that this morning and during this past week there have been some things that have taken place that really emphasize how this world has nothing for us i'm going to read from romans chapter 11 and then i'm going to tie this together paul says i say then has god cast away his people certainly not <laughs> For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. And each and every one of us have been grafted into that that line. Amen. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Yes, Brothers and sisters, we're entering a season now that where we're going to walk as the remnant. We're going to walk as the remnant. And you're going to see things happen just like they happened this past week where people that are going to tell you that what is wrong is right. And praise God, the grace of God is going to rest upon each and every one of us and we're going to stand and we're going to say, this is godly, this is holy, and we're, de- we're going to declare it because we have to be that remnant. God is looking for a remnant tomorrow morning tomorrow morning the state legislature is going to take up another law to ban abortion or at least to ban a lot of abortion here in the state of texas let me tell you people i'm going to ask you to go ahead and call your representatives and your state senators and ask them to pass the law we need to act as the remnant we need to act as the remnant we need to return to a place where We walk in a way that people are looking at us and they're saying there is something different about him. There is something different about her. They recognize the right and the wrong. And not what the world says. I'm telling you, we got to be the counterculture. You want to be a counterculture, guys? You want to be the counterculture? You're going to be it. If you just walk according to what God directs you to do. You're going to be the counterculture. You're going to be different. And that's what we need to do here. When we leave this place, let's go into the world and let's be different. Let's be that remnant that we're called to be. In Jesus' mighty name. The sun
2: comes up. It's a new day, praising this morning. Anybody want to praise?
1: chat but I'm, I'm a little short on time, and I, I got lots to say about all your shortcomings, so just, just bear with me, if you will. i got a question. i got one little question, okay? And some of you are going to hear it, and you're going to take your little tithe envelopes, and you're going to make your first donation to get this guy's face off my screen foundation. But some of you are going to have the fortitude and the courtesy to stick through this short, albeit mind-slapping, soliloquy. So are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the question. One question. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's it we got all kinds of debates popping up all over the red and blue states in this great country of ours. Intelligent design, evolution, what are you going to do with Jack Bauer, blah, 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 ad nauseum, ad nauseum, blah, 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 all that stuff. But you know what? That's just the art of David Blaine-like misdirection, my friends. That's all it is. Nothing to knock you off the main question. Knock you off the main question. That's all it's doing. Because the main question is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Come on, people. Come on, you can't deny the fact that he's the central character to the biggest-selling, furthest-reaching, life-changing, most inspirational, controversial, and scandalous book of all times, right? He's the guy that says he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Son of God and God at the same time. He's the creator, the sustainer, the word, the bread of life, and the Lamb of God, all those together. He is the redeemer and bearer of our sins. That's what he says. Yeah, all things are held together by him, and the matter, science, all of it popped into existence by his very word. That's what it says. He's our comforter. He's our mediator. He's our our friend and our judge. Titles that are endless, endless titles about the guy. You know what? I don't have time to talk about all of them. You got a Bible, take a peek if you got the guts. The point is, the point is, people, these aren't just nicknames his mommy gave him when she was sewing together a tunic for temple time, okay? These are words and titles that if you actually know what they're talking about, would make you shudder in your boots, okay? It will make you question everything. It would make you rebel and discuss if you don't believe it or jump out of that anti Gore gas-guzzling hummer and shout for joy. It makes you do something. you got to do something with a guy like this, don't you think? I mean, come on, after all, think about it. What he said, what he taught, the fact that he transformed the very climate that we're on demands that we make a choice. And if you make a choice to do nothing, that's something you choose, okay? So there ain't no, there ain't no, I want to take my ball and go home. I don't want to play in the game because everybody's in this game, baby, everybody. There ain't no bench warmers. No no No, 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 no and you just consider yourself lucky because you get to play in the game with a guy who is the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies. He's the muse to countless poets. He is the, the theme to a million love songs and the hero to a thousand stories. And that's just the fact, Jack. Okay, he's the most talked about, preached about, debated about, lied about, and fought about man in history. So, if you just think he's a good little sensei right now, you know what, you failed the test, Daniel, son. Time to go wax on a little more. If you think he's just a good man, if you think he's just a good man after all this, you haven't been listening. And most importantly, if you think he doesn't change lives, you never met him. So I ask the question again. What are you going to do with Jesus? You can't be neutral. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, goes to heaven except through him. Period. All right. Old words. Outrageous claims. As a matter of fact, if I think of all these claims, if I think of everything he said, and you ask me in my less than humble opinion, it's ludicrous. What he said is absolutely ludicrous. Unless, of course, it's true. And if it's true, what are you going to do with Jesus? If you don't believe or you're sure enough to bet your eternity on it, if you still got questions, why aren't you asking them? And if you're a believer, if you're a believer, why aren't we doing something about it? Why aren't we doing what he says and why aren't we sharing his story, huh? And by we, I mean you, because I'm just just too darn busy pointing fingers.
0: (laughs) Welcome to our journey through John's Gospel looking at who Jesus is. Before we dive into John chapter 5, I'm just reminded of something Paul said about his calling. He said he was called to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. In all our preaching, if we don't preach Christ, all we have is a bunch of pep talks or moralisms or do's and don'ts or how-tos. But Jesus is the reason for it all and he is the center of it all. The context of our verse is the story of Jesus healing someone on the Sabbath day in Israel where they were all caught up in keeping rules rather than keeping a relationship. The purpose of the Sabbath, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The purpose of the Sabbath was for man to have a day of rest, and strengthening his relationship with his family and with his God. And they had turned it into a lot of rule-keeping. And as all legalists do, they came up with a lot of loopholes. So the command to rest became a command to not walk beyond a certain distance, a command to not carry so much weight, a command to not do this and not do that. But then there were loopholes. You know, if you wanted to go see Uncle Bob on the Sabbath day, you could store stashes of food here and there along the way before the Sabbath. And because your food was there, that was considered still your house. So that food would be stored, you know, within a certain distance of your home. And so you would walk to that food and eat something, because this is your residence, right? Where you eat is where you live. You live here, and then you could walk that same distance again to the next store storage bin or whatever you had set up. And so they believed they were right and everybody else was wrong. And they condemned everybody and looked for reasons to execute the death penalty at every chance they got. And Jesus, lo and behold, to their amazement and shock, dared to heal someone on the Sabbath. And when they confronted him, he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. He just fired him up. Verse 16, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now they all knew God works because He sustains the universe and He gives life to all that he is. And so thank goodness He's not taking the day off. If He did, everything would just go all to pieces. And so Jesus basically says, God's His Father, He's working, and I'm working. Well, this really fired them up. In verse 18, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Which was blasphemous, if it was not true. And so they wanted to kill him even more. And once again, Jesus does not apologize. He does not back down. He gives them a whole lot more reasons to be angry with a monologue description of who he is the half of which we're going to look at today but before i do i just like to pray and ask for the father's help father in the name of jesus i come to you and thank you lord for this opportunity to speak i ask lord for you to help the hearers to hear what you are saying and help me to come close to what you're saying in jesus name amen verse 19 of john 5 They sought all the more to kill him because he made himself equal with God and because he had broken the Sabbath. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, he doesn't just make statements, but he opens them with most assuredly, you can take this to the bank, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. Now, he had just walked to the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath and healed one guy. And the Scripture doesn't say he healed anybody else. What was he doing? He was doing what he saw the Father do. And basically he's saying, you say I broke the Sabbath, I'm doing what the Father showed me to do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. You call me a Sabbath breaker, you're calling God a Sabbath breaker. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. You think it's a big deal to heal someone on the Sabbath? Just hold on. There's more coming. You're mad now. Hold on. And of course, we know a couple years later, they were so mad, they did kill him. He just continued to pour gasoline on the fire. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. Now the Pharisees, the Jews of that day, believed that God the Father was their Father in the sense of being God and they being His people. And they believed they were alive because He gave them life. And they believed that only He was able to raise people from the dead. Later on in this story, we're going to see Him raising people from the dead, demonstrating His divinity. But also, you got to see that He not only is paralleling Himself with the Father, but He's basically telling them, you guys are alive because I'm letting you live. He just proclaims the truth. As the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. I'm going to do whatever the Father tells me to do, and that's what I'm going to will to do. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Can we say that the Son is a judge? judge. He has committed everything to Jesus to exercise judgment. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. He's basically telling His enemies, you guys better honor Me because if you're not, you're dishonoring God. He's going way beyond just making Himself equal with God. He's declaring His divinity. Verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears My word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This is how we're saved. By hearing the Word and believing in Jesus, which is wrapped up in that John 3.16 passage we all love so much, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not have to perish, but might have everlasting life. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, believe that God gave his son, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the father's given him judgment. The father judges no one. He's given the ability to judge to the son, who is God manifested in the flesh. He's a perfect representation of the Father. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. He is the image of God. And yet he's also man. So Jesus is a very unusual man. There's no one else like him. He's unique. We're declaring his uniqueness in this series. He's unique. And so he's a judge, and yet he tells the way to escape judgment, and that's to hear his word, believe in him who sent him. And you can have everlasting life and pass from death to life. Verse 25, most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. What in the world is he talking about there? There's a couple ways you can look at it. We are born dead spiritually. Dead. Dead. We're like a rose that you cut off the plant. It appears to be alive, but the second you cut it off the plant, we have these lovely roses out here. Go out there and pick a bunch of them. The ones you pick, the ones you prune off, the ones you clip are dead the minute you do it because you've cut them off from their life, their source of life. And so we spiritually are dead. And if we will hear His voice and believe that the Father sent His Son we pass from death into life. You see that? I think that, it, that that's what he's saying, but another way of looking at it is Peter wrote in one of his letters that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison and led captivity captive. Don't want to get sidetracked by the theology about that, but basically it is believed by those who've studied that Scripture in depth, that when Jesus died, He went to the abode of the dead and preached the gospel to those who had a covenant relationship with God. And because no one can go to heaven except through God's Son, the work Jesus did on the cross not only saved those who would believe in Him after the cross, He saved those who believed in Him before. And He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Also, there's that strange passage in Matthew that says, (laughs) when Jesus rose from the dead, a bunch of graves opened up, and saints were walking around in the streets. What's that about? I don't know. I kind of wish Matthew left that out, but it, it, it happened. He recorded it. I don't know. Ask me about it. I don't know. And whoever tells you about it, I think they're guessing. So verse 25 again, Most assuredly I say to you, The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, this giving of authority is deputizing. That man that shot the sheriff's deputy, that was the same thing as shooting the sheriff because he's walking in the authority the sheriff gave him. Christ came in his father's authority and those who reject him reject the one who sent him. He's given him authority to execute judgment. Let's say Jesus is a judge. He's been given authority to be the judge. Because he is the son of man. Now, us Gentiles just read that, yeah, he's the son of man. Yes, he's the son of God and he's the son of man. You're missing the explosive statement he made there. He is referring to a messianic promise in Daniel chapter 7. To save time, I put it on the screen for you. Daniel prophesied this. Verse 13, he says, I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Who is that? The Son of Man. That is Jesus. He not only upset their apple cart theologically, He is stomping on it. Then He goes on to say, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. I believe that hour is still coming. Everyone's going to hear his voice. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. What is this doing good so you're resurrected for life and doing evil that you're resurrected for condemnation? I mean, the dead are already dead. What's He doing resurrecting them to condemn them and resurrecting to give life? I believe it rests in the promise of verse 24. This is the work that's good. He who hears my word and believes in Him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not pass into judgment. So how do you work for your salvation? You hear His word and you believe in Him who sent Him. No sweat. Why? Because He did all the sweating. He did all the work. And we enter into His works through what He did. So all our good works are but fruits of the root that He planted. See that? I don't care how good you are, you don't have the root of the Son of God in your life as the one whom the Father sent, and you don't listen to His words, I don't care how good you are. There's no eternal life for you. Oh, but I'm a good person. Goodness will keep more people out of heaven than evil. Because we hide the iniquity that is in us, and we are separated from God. We need a Savior, right? You know, a person can be good, but if they don't know how to swim, they'll drown if they fall in the water, right? So let's say a person doesn't know how to swim, they fall in the water, they're drowning, and you throw a lifesaver out to them, and they don't grab a hold of that, they drown. So our job is to declare the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but might have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, John 3, 16 through 17. Those are the words of Jesus. To try to look towards some other way for your salvation or even to look to your own works for your security in the life beyond is idolatry. Oh, you're being elitist. You're being narrow-minded. It's not narrow-minded if it's true, right? The best way to go to Fort Worth is 377, is it not? I think you could walk through some cornfields, ride some horses down some country lanes and probably make it. But the best way is 377. Is that narrow-minded? No, it's true. It's true. Okay. So do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That is judgment day, folks. There is a judgment day, and everyone will hear his voice. I can of myself do nothing. On my own, I don't do anything. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And that was a struggle in Gethsemane before going to the cross, when he was praying and sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, Father, if there is some other way, take this cup I'm about to drink from me. There was no other way for God to redeem mankind, to atone for their sins, to pay for the penalty that was our due, than to die an unjust death in our place. And they killed him because of who he said he was. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Can we say, Jesus' judgment is righteous? A lot of judgments in the world aren't always righteous. I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Today, I would like to speak to you on the subject, Jesus is the righteous judge. If you have a note card, got some fill-in-the-blanks here, let's go for it. Jesus is the righteous judge. How is he the righteous judge? He's a righteous judge because he's in right relationship with his father. The word righteous means to be in right relationship. He was fully submitted. He's no rogue judge. You know what a rogue judge is? A rogue judge is arbitrary, he's rebellious, he's the law, he's my way or the highway. And does under the table deals. You got some rogue dictators in parts of the world. Jesus is not that. Fully submitted. What an example to us. Number two, he is the Father's perfect representation. The Father's will is his will. Well, my God don't judge. Well, your God's not God. Because God is a judge and he's delegated all judgment to His Son, and He's a righteous judge. You may shudder at the thought of God being a judge because of the corrupt judges you've seen in the world, but He is a righteous judge. He's not an activist judge. An activist judge is one who seeks to take the law and stretch it to its limit, to give words different definitions. We have this thing happening in our day. Number three, He has all authority to make judgments. Why is He as a judge? Because He's got authority to do it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's not a wannabe judge. Any armchair quarterbacks in the house? Oh, we want to be a judge over that team or a judge over that referee association. We want to be. He's not a wannabe. He's the real deal. Number four, he has the power of eternal life and death. He can have you obliterated annihilated and throw the keys away he has all authority there is no other if a judge does you wrong and you're sitting in jail for an unjust reason there's an appeal process is there not it's an appeal process and hopefully in the long run it may cost you years of your life and money you don't have to get yourself set free it happens all the time any country worth a dime will have an appeal process Any country worth a dime has judges. I mean, I know we've got a problem with judges, but a society can't live without someone to settle the grievances, the injustices in the world. Well, Christ is the ultimate judge. Talk about a Supreme Court. He's the supreme Supreme Court. There is no other. There is no appeal process. He is the appeal process. Number five, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's not just our judge. He's our advocate. Now, if you're in trouble and you have to stand before a judge, hopefully you can afford to have a good lawyer who, as your advocate, will speak on your behalf and help build your case. Because you're on the hot seat, you'll say dumb things, you'll incriminate yourself, you'll be misunderstood. A lawyer knows what all the minefields are and will help you present your case. Well, not only do we have a righteous judge, we have a righteous advocate, and he's the same person. No procrastination. You ever had a court case lingering over your head, and every time the date comes up, it gets postponed to another time, just drives you bananas? Well, in God's court, that doesn't happen. He personally paid the penalty for our crimes. Remember Ron and Martin's Laugh-In, the judge played by Sammy Davis Jr.? Here comes the judge. I'm giving myself six months. <laughs> Everybody's guilty. Well, we are all guilty. But Christ took on our guilt and gave himself the death penalty. He could have called a lot of angels. He could have called fire down from heaven. He didn't do it. He paid Our penalty. No charges. There's no charge brought against us and there's no charge for what he did. Justice has been remedied. He's alive, he's powerful, he's rich, and he's wise. And he's awake too. A few years ago, I... Got called in to be a witness for a guy that was trying to get rights, parental rights, to see his kids. To my dismay. Saw the judge nodding off. Right here in Granbury, years ago, so you can't guess who it was. Jesus is a righteous judge. He doesn't fall asleep on the bench. He's powerful, he's rich, and he's wise. He's no dummy. He can't be bribed. How are you going to bribe someone that owns it all? In heaven, this phrase was declared about Jesus: "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength and honor and glory, and blessing." It's one thing to appear before a judge; it's another thing to appear before a judge that got there through politics and not through wisdom. Don't want to appear before a dummy. And number eight, he's a righteous judge because he's our faithful and merciful. High priest. He is not indifferent to our case. In the world's courts, a good judge will not get emotionally involved with the case so he can make wise decisions. But our judge is totally invested. He's emotionally connected to our case and to our plight. Hebrews 2, verse 17 says, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren. He became one of us that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, that means a full payment for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He knows what temptation is like. And you and I have yielded to temptation time and time again. Well, he knows what it's like to be tempted. He just never yielded. And so he has mercy for us. He can chasten us. But it's not eternal. It's temporary to bring us through, to conform us to his image. How should we apply this truth in conclusion? Four things. Number one, remember who is the righteous judge. He is. I'm not. He's the judge. And he's the righteous judge. A lot of people want to be your judge, but he is your judge. Number two, make wise judgments within our authority. Now the verse where Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged often gets quoted out of context and overused in our culture. But if you have authority, you have to make judgments. You have to. If you're a coach of a team, you've got to make judgments. You don't make good judgments, you'll eventually lose your job. You're a referee, you got to make judgments. Otherwise, the game will fall apart. You're raising kids, you've got to make wise judgments. That passage in Matthew where Jesus said, Judge not lest you be judged. The very next verse he says, And don't cast your pearls before swine, and don't give what is holy to dogs. What a judgmental statement. I have to determine who's a swine and who's a dog. How judgmental can you be? Is he contradicting himself? No, he's saying the things that you have authority over, you be wise with it. Don't just let anybody babysit your kids. You've got authority. You've got to make judgments. Your kids do wrong. You have to make judgments. They're under your authority. You've got to train them up. Train up a child in the way he should grow, and when he grows old, he won't depart from it. So he's the ultimate judge, but he's delegated... As his representatives in the earth, areas and spheres in which we must make judgments. As a leader in this church, we have to make judgments. But I don't make judgments at another church because I don't have authority there. Wherever you have authority, if you're a supervisor on the job, you've got to make certain judgments. This worship pastor, Pastor Sheikh, has to make certain judgments as the songs we're going to use, as to whether or not that song's ready to go public with, you know, is the harmony tight enough, whatever. We all have to make wise judgments within our authority. To have a society with absolutely no judging it would just fall apart and the bad guys would take over. Including the bad judges. They would just do something else bad. Number three, do not forget that judgment day is coming. The concept that God is not a judge is not right. It's not biblical and it's not true. He set the earth in motion with laws of nature and when we violate those laws, There are consequences. Jump off this roof, you're going to get hurt. And to yell at God for what happened to you when you jumped off the roof? Hello? So there's consequences for the things we do. And number four, lose the phrase, don't judge me. Now, I don't recommend this show, but there is a funny episode. It's called My Name is Earl. This particular episode features a comedian named Brett Butler who is named Connie in the show. And she is a wheelchair-bound person who's got a gambling habit. She gambles away things that aren't hers to gamble away. And when confronted with her wrongdoing, her comeback is, Don't judge me! And one day they come home, and she doesn't realize they're coming home when they do, and they catch her out of the wheelchair walking around. She's been faking this whole thing. And her response was, Don't judge me. That's the culture in which we live. The hiding behind the don't judge me thing means don't warn me. Don't give me wisdom. Don't encourage me. Don't exhort me. Don't call me to a higher call. One of the hardest working people I know didn't go help his wife at like 10 o'clock at night. Her and her teenage daughter were in their suburban and they had a blowout on the side of the road. And She called for help. I went to help her. The daughter was driven on to where she had to work, and I drove the lady home like 11 o'clock at night and dropped her off. And then on my way out at the gate of their subdivision, I saw her husband sitting in his truck talking on the phone. So I got out of my truck and said, man, what's going on? Oh, nothing. I said, you've changed. No, I haven't. I said, the man I know would have been there to help his wife. This is your wife and your daughter. Well, she said she didn't need any help. I said, I'm not buying that. I said, that's no way to score points anyway. But what's the deal? His response was, you're judging me. You're judging me. I said, I'm not judging you. I'm challenging you. To balance the scale so I don't send us all out of here condemning everybody, we do make judgments where we have authority. But where we don't have authority, we can certainly speak our concerns. But we don't have authority to cast people into hell, to curse them, to pronounce every evil known to man to come down upon them. No, but we can warn people man, this is not good for your relationship. This is not good. What's the deal? How can I encourage you? How can I help? Help me understand is really the best word to say. Help me understand. How do we apply this truth? When you know you're in the wrong, run as fast as you can to the great high priest. The don't judge me philosophy keeps you from running to him. I'm wrong and I know it. I need to run to him and cling to this promise. Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points can we say all points? All tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the righteous judge, and he's also our high priest. And we can run to Him when we need help. Lord, thank You for the opportunity to attempt to declare Your unsearchable riches the things we don't understand, the things that we minimize when we try to make them completely understandable. Lord, I pray that by your grace you enable us to embrace your mysteries and bring more understanding to us than what we've had. And Lord, I pray today that we would all walk in the light of the fact that you are the ultimate judge and we all must answer to you. And that right now, Lord, we can run to you when we need help. Lord, I just pray you draw those here today that need to receive prayer and those that need to do business with you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray if anyone's been hiding behind the don't judge me excuse, I pray, Lord, that you would bring correction to the way we think. In Jesus' name.
2: Comest upon you
0: and give you His peace,
2: and may you live in the
0: light of the love of our righteous Judge. Thank you, Lord. Bring healing to those that need it today. Answer to those that have questions today. Peace to those that are in turmoil. Send us out of here, Lord, to bring it. To make a difference in the world. To bring change for his needed, for the most. Those that need provision, Lord, we ask that you would provide for every need in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't rush away if you must go; you're free to go.
2: But let's let's continue worshiping the Lord and do business with Him. God bless you. You are listening to Worship and the Word with Generations Church of Granbury.
0: for tuning in today for Worship and the Word with Generations Church. You may hear our radio broadcast again at the same time and station next week. If you do not have a church congregation to call home and you live near the Granbury area, we would love to invite you to come check us out some Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Our meeting facilities are located at 5718 East Highway 377 on the Fort Worth side of Granbury. And our website is at generationschurch.org.